You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Fantasy Alarm NFL Fantasy Football Podcast here, looking at week 16 of the NFL season. We are now past week one of the playoffs, Coop. Hopefully everybody listening here was able to advance into their league's uh, next round of the playoffs. If you haven't, I mean, Coop, we have great deals still going on here at Fantasy Salon for our DFS stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if you, uh, you've seen, but we've talked a lot about uh, We have our playoff special, uh, fantasyslam.com slash NFL promo code playoffs. It gives you full NFL pro access throughout the playoffs through the Super Bowl for our DFS content side. So uh, you may have, uh, you are eliminated, eliminated from your uh, fantasy football playoffs. So There's still plenty of time to test out our NFL pro package right now for just like 30 bucks. So it's, it's a pretty good deal that we got going on. Yeah. I mean, the average win in DFS is, I mean, unless you're playing crazy small leagues, like if you win one matchup, that's 30 bucks right there. And I mean, we are, we're handing out picks left and right. We had a million dollar winner, hundred thousand. Regularly we have guys send us, you know, pictures like 50,000, 25,000. We don't even put those up anymore. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> which you also get access to if you, right, uh, yeah. They're in there, but it's like nowadays with the winners that we've had from our membership, like we, unless you're cracking six figures, you're not going up on the Twitter machine. So, right. So yeah, so week 16 coop. I mean, uh, big storylines of the week, of course, Tampa Bay injuries, COVID Kansas city, no Tyree killing and Travis Kelsey right now is they're in COVID protocols. So some pretty wild things for those heading into this round two, essentially for most of their playoffs, missing some, uh, some core guys. Yeah, I mean, so another good thing about being a member is we have the COVID tracker up. So I've got it in front of me right now. It's like we have it sorted by division, by team. You can see Bills, Cole Beasley, AJ Peneza, like everybody's on there. So if you're looking for that information, we have it with the date that they're on there, which is actually really helpful, right? Because we look at this and you see, okay, let's get a good example. Uh, Yassir Durant, right? He tested positive on 12-15. He is still in the protocol. That to me tells us that either A, he has COVID for sure, and he just keeps testing negative, or B, he's unvaccinated and the protocols require him to be out for that amount of time. Kendrick Bourne, on the other hand, he tests positive 1220, right? We talk about the 24-hour increments or, or however much time it needs for the negative tests. That means that today he could have his second negative test and be out. Right. The, the longer, it's like the farther back the data is actually, that makes it more difficult for them to get cleared in the kind of the short term. And then obviously as it gets farther and farther out, you look at it and say, okay, this guy's been on the protocol for 10 right. days. He can probably make it back for Sunday. So having those dates definitely helps. That's all up on our website. If you want to check that out. Yep, for sure. So with all that said, we'll hit up the matchups here and uh, we'll discuss things we're looking for per usual in these matchups. Uh, we'll start off with the Thursday night football game. We have San Francisco 49ers. Going up against the Tennessee Titans, Eli Mitchell's already been ruled out for this game here. On the Tennessee side of things, uh, I don't think Julio is available, but I saw A.J. Brown. Do we know if A.J. Brown is officially returning? I thought he was designated to return. I'm trying to see right now if he is actually active or not for this game, but those are some of the headlines for, for this one. Yeah. <clears throat> so last I heard was that he was probably going to play. The thing with those designation to returns is that you technically have a couple weeks to activate him, but I mean, there's... Not really that many weeks left in this game. I mean, this season. So most of the guys like Dan Arnold, for instance, like if they're going to designate him to return at this point, then he's probably, especially for the Jaguars who have not playing in the playoffs. Like if you designate a guy to return, that means he's likely to play. 
right? Either this week, next one after. So it, it looks uh, like Julio actually has no injury destination, which is kind of interesting because he left obviously week 15 with a hamstring injury. So it looks like he uh, may be good to go tonight. That's, I mean, that's kind of scary to think about that. Uh, Julio, if you have no one else, maybe, but I mean, it's just so hard to trust him right. after he, he has, he doesn't get a big snap share. He hasn't really produced. And then last week he just gave you a zero. I mean, that's difficult territory. And both these teams are kind of in the same boat running back wise, right? I mean, they both kind of have, they're using running back by committee to a certain degree. And you kind of know on each team, which one is like the ground and pound guy. And then which one is the other guy, right? So like Jeff Wilson and, Dante Foreman are the ground and pound guys. And then beyond that, you got to decide. I mean, I think that Dontrell Hilliard plays more than Jerry McNichols, but I don't know, John, you, they you were the one that said. Yeah, they split the carries. I'll see if that adjusted from last week, but the week prior, when I checked it out here, they all three of them had played like 33% of the snap share there. So, I mean, like that was obviously the worry the worry that I had when those guys came back. It was like, all right, well, does one, does one continue to dominate the carry share or do they kind of uh, split it? And that's what we ended up seeing. So... Uh, I'm just confirming this right now, but I'm pretty sure when I looked at it, it was a pretty even snap share chop between the group. But yeah, we have Dante Foreman playing 39% of, of the offensive snaps. Jeremy McNichols ended up playing 30, sorry, 29%, and Hilliard played the other like 31% there. So it's uh, it was frustrating, but it was also kind of an interesting sort of uh, game flow for them as well. Yeah, so now with Jeff Wilson, it's kind of, it's a little better. I mean, he played the majority of the game. It was a positive game script. Yeah. And he didn't really, I mean, he caught two passes, but we didn't really get to see what it was like for them playing from behind or playing in pass, must-pass situations. I don't know if they're going to use Jamichael Hasty or not, but of all the guys in this game, I think Jeff Wilson's probably the safest, right? Yeah, I mean, him, the running back position for sure, there's still like that frustrating usage of Debo Samuel. Now, fortunately, he did, you know, catch the catch full balls last week. He was targeted, right. I think it was like, is it six times he was targeted, something like that? So, five, or five or six, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, better than what it had been, right? And, and he had four catches on five targets for 60 yards. Because the previous weeks, it was one target, two targets, four targets. He had one catch in each of the previous three games. But he, I mean, he's been a touchdown savior for fantasy. He has five total touchdowns now. Sorry, six total touchdowns over the last five weeks. All of them rushing. So, like, that's where his value is coming from. So it was good to see him get back into a game environment where he's catching the football because you, you really need to stabilize that production out of him because you can't count on him having a 12 to 15-yard touchdown run every week. I don't think he's been doing it, but it doesn't seem like it's something that's sustainable. Right. It's, yeah, it's very, it's kind of it's kind of strange. Him and uh, Cordero Patterson, another one where they kind of got too deep in the running game as of late and aren't really it's like mike davis been playing some of those pass snaps it's like once now that patterson's a full-time running back and he's only catching two passes a game it's not as great for fantasy you know what yeah. i mean so i hear you on that with debo samuel like we definitely don't want him to just be like a goal line running back yeah. that doesn't it's catch balls like a red zone like wildcat guy like that's what he, that's what he's become you know? right right yeah it's like 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 trey burton trey burton you know what i mean yeah, so exactly. like I definitely prefer him to to have the role that he had this week, which he ran 25 routes. Sorry, he ran 23 routes, and they only went through 25 times. So he was involved there, and then he got some carries. That's the best of both worlds. Thoughts on Kittle in this matchup? I think we talked before that t- tight ends for Tennessee, not really the greatest spot, but, you know, it's Kittle. Is there any worries here? I mean, it, yeah, you're right. The, th- it, the problem there is that they have so many good pass rushers 
So when you have a guy like if this is Mike Gusecki, I'd say, oh, it doesn't matter because he plays wide receiver. But for Kittle, they do ask him to hang in a block sometimes. I mean, like you look at this list of like Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, they got Bud Dupree, like there's a chance that he'll spend a few plays pass blocking, which is why I have him. I moved him down all the way to tight end three after Kelsey and Andrews. But I mean, Kittle's a guy. If you're not starting with tight end, you're starting him in the flex. So it's not really even unless you're. He's not uh, benchable. It's just. Right. Exactly. Expectations should be tempered a bit. Yeah. DF, a guy you shouldn't play in DFS or I mean, it's a showdown slate. And right. Who is the other tight end here? Yeah, I mean, there's no other tight end to play. No, so if you're going to sure. play a tight end, yeah, <laughs> can't do it. Yeah. So if yeah. you're going to play a tight end, you play him. And otherwise, you just don't play a tight end at all. Yep. All right. Let's go on over to the Saturday game. Cleveland Green Bay's at home. Seven and a half point. We know Cleveland last week nearly pulled it off with Nick Mullins. They just missed against the Raiders here. Chubb scored. Peoples Jones had a decent day. Hunter Bryant, right? Hunter or Harrison? There's, there's uh, the Harrison's that one, yeah. Harris, Harris, the, the other one. Lions one, yeah. Yeah, I always confuse the two. Harrison Bryant found the end zone. Green Bay, of course, is doing Green Bay things. Aaron Jones was the one that had the high workload. He scored in the receiving game. A.J. Dillon got the uh, red zone carry, scored there. MVS actually had a huge game, but he is out as of now with COVID. So that certainly, I think, gives a bump up to the likes of a, of an Alan Lazard into that offense. And then we don't, I mean, we know what with uh, Rogers and uh, Adams is. Right. Yeah. I think that for Aaron Jones managers, this was a kind of a, a nice week because the week before they split it kind of right down the middle. In fact, AJ Dillon got more work this week. Aaron Jones got more work both in the pass game and the run game, which is what you want to see. I think now you can go out in your, you know, playoffs and start Aaron Jones with confidence. So that's where I'm at. Uh, obviously, Alan Lazard is a back against the wall guy. You use him where you need him, but difficult to trust in general. Uh, a guy that I've uh, kind of had my eye on that's becoming at least a little interesting for DFS is Josiah DeGuara. He's now being deployed kind of like uh, Robert Tunyon was, where Mercedes Lewis plays a lot of the a blocking role. Yeah. Like, so they both... DeGuara played 35 snaps, Lewis played 31, but DeGuara ran 23 routes to 11 for Lewis, kind of doubled him up there. So I think that he is a guy that is usually fairly cheap in DFS. You can play there. Definitely can't trust him in regular leagues. Obviously, you're starting Adams, Rodgers. The rest of that's pretty easy. On the Cleveland side is where it gets a little more dicey. Obviously, you start Nick Chubb, but I mean, John, are you going with anybody else from this team besides Chubb? No, not really. Not if I can help it. I mean, I mean... People's Jones going to have a tough match. You can't really trust any of the tight ends. So, no, that's probably right. where I start and end, truthfully. I'm there with you, man. I mean, like, if Njoku can't do big things when he's there as the only tight end, then, I mean, can't really love him when Austin Hooper and uh, Harrison Bryant are back. So. Sure. I agree. I agree with you on that one. Other Saturday matchup that we have uh, the Colts playing two Saturdays in a row Colts against the Cardinals here. I mean, again, I, I like these teams because we kind of know generally where the football is going, but I want to know what your thoughts were. If you were able to get anything from Arizona's stunning loss to Detroit last week, no Hopkins, obviously in that game, Connor and Edmonds were back as a duo. And you know, we saw Kirk outscore AJ Green in this game. I think that was just a case of a team that just was not ready to play, man. Like they came in and probably thought that they could win no matter what. And they just didn't, they didn't bring it. They didn't have it. So I don't think it's going to be anything that carries forward. If anything, they might be a little more fired up for the game this week. But I look at this game. The big takeaway here is that the Colts have been a bad team versus the tight end pretty much all year. Dawson Knox put up over a hundred against them. Hunter Henry last week had two touchdowns. So for me, Zach Ertz is in a slam spot this week and it's, yeah. This is one of those situations where the Colts 
linebackers are pretty good versus the run, and they're good at what they do. But there's a couple players on the team, notably Sendejo, that routinely get beat for a couple plays. I mean, it's just part of the package for these players, right? It's just not what they do well. So it's a great spot for Ertz, and Ertz actually has a great matchup again next week against the Cowboys. And even if your league goes into Week 18, which it shouldn't, they get the Seahawks. So Ertz is right. kind of like a set-and-forget guy at this point. So I'm really liking him at this point. Uh, off the other guy, maybe you start A.J. Green. Maybe you start Christian Kirk. It all depends on how deep your league is and what you have available. Can't trust Rondell Moore. You can't tr- trust Antoine Wesley. So, right. you know, that's I, I thought that Moore actually left practice with an injury yesterday. Did I, did I dream that? I think he got banged up in the game, Let's I want to say. Didn't participate in practice Wednesday. Left, yeah, left Sunday with an ankle injury. There it is. So, yeah, that's what it was. He had an MRI, then didn't practice. So, that's what we got going on there. So, uh, yeah, he may not even be active for this game. Who's the next man up? Is it Andy Isabella? Is there... It is. Isabella did play 12 snaps last week. So, it is him to play that role. But it wasn't even a full role anyway. Sure. So. Kurt, it's green. It's Kirk played 72 of 75 snaps, which we love to see. Yeah. Uh, now, do you have a, a leaning one way or another? Let's say you have both players. I mean, like we did see there were people that were Chase Edmonds owners that dropped, that put him on the IR, picked up James Conner. Now they have both players. I mean, if you had to pick one out of James Conner or Chase Edmonds, which way do you go there? I mean, so here's the thing. It was wildly frustrating. So I played James Conner in DFS last week. Yeah, nobody else did. He was like 8% rostered in the contest that I played in. And I watched Arizona have four red zone opportunities in which he like barely didn't, he barely touched the football. The first one, they literally threw the ball four times and turned it over on downs. And then the other couple times, they again were throwing. Kyler tried to run one in. Like he, he has 14 rushing touchdowns and they were in goal to go situations and they didn't give him the football. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like they may learn from that mistake. What happened and maybe his game flow relying here was that the snap share kind of went back to what it was before for a bit. We saw only 44% of the offensive snaps go Connor's way. It was Edmonds' first game back, so he only played 40% of the snaps. So, like, there's – before the injury to Edmonds, it was more like a 60-40, 55-45 type split. And then Edmonds comes back, and Connor goes from, like, 98% to 44%. So, mm. I think they're sort of working their way back into that. I want Connor for the touchdowns, though. I think that's still going to be his, going to bring more value right now than Edmonds is going to be, as long as they give him the football. I couldn't believe that they didn't hand the ball off to him once. In those drives, they went turnover on downs and two field goals. If they actually handed the ball off four times against the Lions, who you can run on, they probably would have scored a touchdown on at least two of those drives. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's tough because you rely on a guy all year and then you get in this situation, but I'm with you on Connor. I mean, he's just, he's the one that's, that's going to score those one yard plunges. So you just got to go for that. On the other side of the ball, we like, obviously we love Jonathan Taylor. We like Michael Pittman beyond that. I'm not sure. I'm not using any of the tight ends. I'm not using Zach Pascal, T Y Hilton, even with Pittman getting ejected, didn't play enough. So it's basically Taylor and Pittman really. Yeah. And even then it's, it's even mostly Taylor. (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, obviously you have to play Pittman, but he's a wide receiver three, I think, at this point. The way Wentz is playing right now, and they're going to be uh, on the road. I, I think, actually, Arizona hasn't played well at home this year. Am I making that? No, they're three and three at home. They're two and four against the spread. So this, this could just be a Taylor game because Arizona still struggles on their home floor. So home court. Think of basketball. Yeah, so something to at least pay attention to there. Uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday, rather, a Buffalo rematch here against New England. Uh, Patriots two and a half point home favorites, a 43 and a half game total. Buffalo going into this one without Cole Beasley, without Emmanuel Sanders. In New England, I think Damian Harris was limited. But Rondre Stevenson is also questionable right now as well. Obviously, the running game was huge for New England in their win against Buffalo. 
a few weeks back in which Mac Jones attempted just three passes. But then what has maybe been the most productive receiver for New England this year, Kendrick Bourne, also currently on the COVID list. So it should be an interesting one here. I'm not really too confident here, Coop, in our Patriots. I'll tell you that. I know. Not only on top of that, but I know he hasn't been super productive, but Nelson Aguilar is also banged up. I don't know right. if he's going to go. Um, he was absent from practice. I think he's in the concussion protocol. So that's one of the ones where he just plays or he doesn't, and we have to wait till the end of the week to find out. But if they're down both Bourne and Aguilar, you can probably expect a lot of two tight end sets because right. that leaves us with basically Harry, Myers, know, uh, Myers and Gunner, Gunnar Olszewski. So yeah. It's not a great situation for New England. In this particular game, I actually don't really... So last week I had, or the week before this, I had Dawson Knox at like tight end, like five. This past week, I had Hunter Henry really high. In this matchup, I have both of them lower than usual. Dawson Knox goes against the Patriots, who are the number two tight defense versus the tight end this year. And they haven't let up 100 yards to a tight end since 2018. They've never let up 100 yards to Travis Kelsey. And they haven't even let up more than 70 yards to Travis Kelsey in his last six matchups versus New England. They just, they're good at taking away what you want to do. They're good at taking away the tight end. So it's just, for me, Knox is such a touchdown dependent play with with what the Patriots do that I, I don't really love it. And then on the flip side, the Bills are also a top five team versus the tight end. I think they're the fourth best team versus the tight end. And they have Matt Milano, who's very right. good in man-to-man, Hunter Henry. That's his specialty. So it's just, again, not a good matchup for him either. Both are fairly touchdown dependent plays unless the defenses do something we're not expecting. Maybe they just go zone all game and yeah. that opens things up, but it's not, there are, there are better plays out there. I mean, if you've been backing on Knox, you might just need to roll with them, but just keep that in mind for DFS, things like that, that you're, it's not a good matchup for those guys. Yep. I, I agree. And, and, and Josh Allen for his career, hasn't really played well against Bill Belichick, the defense. He's got, he's a 55% completion percentage, eight touchdowns of six interceptions and a couple of fumbles in there as well. Though he did light them up in the, the last game of the season for, against them last year, he had like three thirty and four scores. So maybe things are coming around with the Patriots defense this year, obviously a lot more solid than last year. Giants Eagles. Next matchup here, Jalen Hurts, uh, much to, I guess, my dismay after the uh, start. Listen, you know what? I'm not perfect. I don't get them right every week. I was telling people to go taste some hill over Hurts, and Hurts came out and turned the ball over twice in three drives, then straightened out and had himself quite a performance. Two rushing touchdowns in there, passing touchdown, almost 300 yards. Uh, now he's got a Giants team here that's just begging to go home, begging to get this season over with. I think this is just going to be another big day for the Eagles, and what was encouraging for me is the Miles Sanders thing. He got the 18 carries. He had 130 yards. It wasn't until the end of the game where Jordan Howard really got a lot of that work, kind of the closeout yardage. Now, I would have loved for it to be Miles Sanders getting those closeout yards and not Jordan Howard, but at least they were uh, committed to giving Sanders those touches early. He's not going to score. Yeah, unless he breaks one off from like outside the 10, but the volume is there and that that was at least encouraging. And then Dallas Goddard is just another monster week for him. Yeah, this Giants offense has been such like a big like amoeba, right? Like it's ne- hasn't even ever been the same offense one week to the next. Just different wide receivers in and out, Sterling Shepard in, out, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, different quarterbacks, different running backs. Like it's just a kind of a mess. It's, it just leads to unpredictableness for me. From the Giants, I don't really like anyone except I, it might be a sickness at this point, but I think that Evan Ingram in this particular matchup <laughs> could have a decent game. I mean, you, the targets, man, the targets have been there. The targets have been there. And this is the, the worst team in the league versus a tight end. We know that at this point, and they do have just enough other weapons to keep you honest. So 
we'll see on that front. But yeah, that's the only guy. I, I, you know, obviously, Saquon Barkley, where you need him. But I'm considering Evan Ingram. On the flip side, Dallas Cotter, he had a great week last week. This matchup isn't as good as you might think. The Giants are middle of the pack. And last time these two teams played, he actually only caught one pass for zero yards. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to do that again, but it's enough for me to say if you have Zach Ertz, I go Ertz over Goddard this week. Now, with the Eagles, are you going with any of these wide receivers, John, if you have them? I mean, I think Devonta is probably like the safest, but that's like a soft safe, right? Like, I don't, I was one of his biggest fans going into this season, but it's the... You need another good week throwing the football out of Hurts. He completed over 70% of his passes. But to that point, Smith still only had three for 40 on five targets. So, like, he's a flex, desperation flex play if you have him. Like, if you were a guy that lost a Tyree kill or something like that this week and Smith's on your bench, like, and you weren't able to grab, I guess, I don't know, a Hardman or something like that on Kansas City right. that may step into a bigger role, like, I'm okay. But, yeah, I don't know what it is. We threw the touchdown pass to Greg Ward, of all people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ward actually had a couple red, uh, end zone targets there, and we know Goddard's just dominating the target share. So, yeah, I'm, it's difficult to start Smith, but he'd be the only receiver I would consider of that group. Early in the year, when the Eagles were losing, he was getting peppered with yeah. targets. And now that they're winning, it's like oh, he's not really doing a whole lot. And not to mention the last time the Giants played, James Bradbury kind of the last time they played the Giants, Bradbury kind of bottled them up a little bit. Four targets, yeah. two catches, 22 yards. So like, I'm I'm there with you. He's definitely he's in the, the back against the wall group. If you need him, then he's at least playing almost all the snaps. But yeah, can't go there otherwise. The next matchup that we got here, we have the Rams versus the Vikings, and what should be a, a pretty nice matchup for uh, fantasy players here. Uh, it's 49 half game total. Minnesota's getting three. Cooper Cobb is on pace to have like the best season ever. And I'm almost taking that off of the extra game played here. Like even if there was just two weeks left, I mean, the numbers that he's putting up is absolutely ridiculous with Stafford. Stafford didn't even have a good week last week, but Cooper Cup had a great week because all he did was throw to Cooper Cup in that game. Odell Beckham had like one catch. I think Van Jefferson had like two catches and a rush. Like it was all Cup. And Minnesota secondary has been trash. They're not very good. Uh, I'm expecting the Rams to kind of light them up here. But on the flip side, for Justin Jefferson, we might get Adam Thielen back. Dalvin Cook's looking good. Minnesota, in their own right, might be able to go at this uh, Rams defense. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the game we just talked about, the Giants-Eagles, that's like a 40-point over-under. This game is expected to have 10 10 more points scored in it. So if you're trying to load up on, on a single game for DFS, this is the one, right? Yeah, so I, I what I've seen is that Adam Thielen supposedly got into practice and he has a plan to play. So apparently something, a way he's dealt with this injury in the past where he ended up playing. So that's what I read. So I think Thielen's going to end up going. Whether you can trust him or not, that's up to your personal risk tolerance and your depth. But I mean, you're starting Justin Jefferson, you're starting Dalvin Cook. You're obviously not starting Tyler Conklin after the last couple of performances you've gotten from him, even with Thielen out. On the Rams side, obviously you start Cup, you start you start Stafford where you need him. And then that's where we get into the maybe you start the guys, maybe you don't. Now, this running back situation is kind of dicey territory, right? I mean, on one hand, you have Tony Michelle played really, he started, he played really well. Daryl Henderson played fine too. But we have quotes from Sean McVay straight up saying the horrible things that we hear from Shannon, right? Where he says the words game flow. He says hot hand. Like those are the last things you want to hear when you're trying to decide 
to put a running back in or not because once a coach says that it gives him the power to do whatever <laughs> he wants yeah and you can't question it because he told you he was going to do that you know what i mean like they can't after the game say oh did get benched and because he, he can just say oh yeah well i told you it was based on game flow it was based on hot hand that means you can do whatever you want so it's shanahan's set himself up for that and now mcveigh has too which makes me a little nervous i mean john are you if you're leaving anybody it's got to be sony right or what do you think yeah listen i think it has to be sony michelle now the one thing i was talking about last week or i was talking about this week based on people's reaction to last week i said it on alarm after hours was maybe we should have been more aware of the role there with, with henderson because he had missed a lot of time he had you know no practicing he's been away from the team and Michelle was getting all those reps he all of a sudden gets activated and, and we see as Michelle kind of really lean the heavy workload there and it was sort of the same thing with Miles Gaskin right like Gaskin was activated off of the, the COVID IR he's like all right Gaskin's back he's a starting running back like you know, definitely nobody was thinking anything different but we should have been more aware like all right he hasn't practiced at all right like he's been away from the team like who's been getting all these reps oh it's Duke Johnson Makes sense then hindsight that Duke Johnson got all the workload. And I feel the same way with Tony Michelle. Yeah, Henderson was active. He got some carries, but he's been away all week. He hadn't been practicing. I think this week he gets in more of a workload. I think we could see more of a split to Henderson taking the lead. But, you know, Sony Michelle obviously had done nothing over these last three weeks to lose that job. The team did trade. Uh, what was it, a fourth-round pick for Sonny Michelle or a third-round pick for Sonny Michelle this this offseason right. from the Patriots? So they have a little bit maybe more of an investment on him this year than they than they have in Henderson, and neither of them are really in their future plans. They have Cam Akers expected back next year. So, yeah, he could just ride that hot hand, and that hot hand right now is Sonny Michelle. They're winning football games, and he's running well. So yeah. that could definitely be a, a direction that they go moving forward. Yeah. And let me ask you one last one, because this is one that, you know, is on, on the minds of a lot of people. I've actually already been asked this question, so I weighed in. But last week with this team, you had Odell Beckham Jr. run 35 routes, Cooper Cup run 36, Van Jefferson ran 37. Pretty clear. Those are the three guys on pass plays for this team. In the three weeks leading up to this game, Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham Jr. each scored in all three of those games. Last right. week, they got kind of stifled a bit. But, I mean, if you're sitting there with both of these guys, which one do you think you're going to go with? So I'm still trusting that even though it didn't come through last week, I would trust the target share of OBJ. He had been out targeting uh, Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson's been a big play guy for them. He's been scoring on those you know big hitters there. But target share-wise, OBJ is in leading Van Jefferson in that department. So uh, I'll chalk this last week up to an anomaly, and I'll run back in here with OBJ. Okay, good. We're in lockstep on that. I feel the same way. So it's it's Cup, you start everywhere. Odell, you yeah. start where you need him. And then Van Jefferson is, he's not too far off, right? So in, if you, in last, I obviously play, I played the two games, two game slates on uh, Saturday. And I played all three receivers, actually. Now, the Beckham and Van Jefferson didn't totally work out for me there. But I mean, like, I have full confidence. Like you said, like all three of them have scored before going into last week. They're all getting decent targets. Like they're all very much in play with the way this offense works. Their 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 passing right. attacks. So for for three straight weeks, that strategy would have worked great. Yeah. So, the second you get on there. The James. second it only makes sense, the only time it makes sense for it to work out, it doesn't. So. Right, exactly. Tampa Bay, Carolina. Tampa Bay, man. Oof, big injuries this week. Uh, they lost Fournette out. Evans questionable with the hamstring. They are getting Antonio Brown back, but what is his expected expect, expected work uh, flow here? Uh, fresh off the the suspension, the ankle injury and whatnot. Uh, we got Ronald Jones as a starting uh, running back going into this week. They signed Levy on Bell. It's also on the road where Tom Brady hasn't played well. It's kind of a mess now there in Tampa Bay for the defending champion. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I I might have willed this Ronald Jones situation to happen. Uh, basically, at one point, I or I, this was like two weeks ago, I said, if someone hands me their phone and asks me, what do you think about my fantasy team? I look at it, and if I see Ronald jo- and if, as long as I don't see Ronald Jones there, I say, your team's good. So I, I might have uh, jinxed this one into happening here, but Ronald Jones is the guy you got to go with him this week if you have him, especially if you're banking on Leonard Fournette. Le'Veon Bell is not going to be up to speed. He's, you know, if anything, he'll have a very limited package of plays. I think, honestly, Antonio Brown, where I have him, I have pretty much full confidence in the guy, oddly enough. I mean, we've seen this guy not play for a year and then score a touchdown in his first game yeah. back. We've seen this guy show up in Tampa Bay not knowing the playbook and then catch a touchdown in like seven straight games. You know what I mean? Like this guy is a baller. He's, he's, he's one of the best fantasy players of all time. He was the wide receiver one overall for four straight years. And that wasn't that long ago. So Antonio Brown, I'm getting in there for sure. Gronk, I'm starting Brady. I'm starting Mike Evans is going to come down to hell. And I don't think I'm going to dabble into the Tyler Johnson, Brashad Perriman range, except for maybe DFS, but not in my real league, not in the playoffs. I just, Targets are earned, and these guys have had plenty enough opportunity with guys banged up or, or whatnot in matchups to prove that they can be reliable. I just don't think that they are. I don't know about you, John. If Evans is out, I kind of have some interest in Perriman. Because he'll play split end, right? Yeah, he'll yeah. play a full snap share out wide. So Kansas said, like, there is a good chance that he's activated for this game. So, yeah, that, that would be my thing. He's a veteran receiver. You know, obviously Brady threw him for the game winner there a few weeks back against Buffalo. I could have some interest there in, in Perriman. But yeah, you're right. I mean, like Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, those guys are, are very unpredictable. And to the, your point, and to one that I've made as well, like Brady still has Gronk and he still has Antonio Brown. For, and when those guys are on the field, like if Evans is out, that's where the football's going. Like he's just going to give the, he's going to throw to those two. So right. uh, I, I agree with you there. What about Carolina? Anybody? I mean, on this side, dude, I just want to point this out. Robbie Anderson last week played 76 of 76 snaps. Like, is there, and he caught three passes. Is there any player that, does he have the lowest catch rate in the league? Was it, is his catch rate like 30 right now? Like, what's going be. on with this guy? Like, what, what about the report from Rule that Cam Newton will start, but Sam Darnold will get snaps? What are we doing, Rule? Are you trying to lose awful. your job? That's the most wishy-washy thing I think I've ever heard. Like, I don't think you say you're going to platoon the quarterbacks. You know what I mean? That's just, yeah, not even. So for me, like it's DJ Moore and kind of that's it. I mean, Amir Abdul plays the pass snaps at least. Chuba plays the run snaps, but Cam took more carries than Chuba did last week. So, I mean, I really don't, I really don't like anybody besides DJ Moore and I don't really like him. Yeah. Howard Bender says that Cam Newton's the most selfish player in the NFL. So you uh, might be right. <laughs> he takes all the carries. He takes all the goal line carries. Uh, I think with DJ Moore is like you don't like Cam, right? But when you look at his game log and you look at the the numbers, I mean, he's never had less than seven targets in a game. The last three games, 10, 10, 11 targets. The receptions, four, six, six. So I think he's a guy where in PPR, you get him in there. In standard, you hold your nose and put him in there too, probably. Yep, I agree. Next game, kind of a gross one. Jacksonville versus the, the New York Jets. A matchup of 2-12 and 12 versus 3-11 teams here. A 41-and-a-half game total with just a one-point spread. The Jets, home favorites here. Look out. Hey, did you say this was kind of a gross one? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Sometimes gross games 
are actually good fantasy games because we talked about such, that last week, right? They're so bad defensively. So like, I like James Robinson a lot this week. I like James O'Shaughnessy this week. I think Marvin Jones or Lavisca Chenault could be in play here because Jet because the Jets defense is so bad. And on the flip side, I think you could see similar production out of like a Jameson Crowder could find himself being productive. Whatever running back they decide to commit to, because we all got screwed by Robert Sarla last week with Michael Carter. They played Tevin Coleman a lot. But like there, there are guys on the Jets offense that I think could have some fantasy value here. So two bad teams, a low point total, but a close spread could mean they have to actually play competitive football here. And that produces yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week briefly, and we've gotten two of them now from the the Jags versus the Texans. It's the yeah. classic, the double negative game, right? Yeah. The old triple stamp, a double stamp, where yeah. it's like these two teams are the s- similar caliber teams, so it doesn't become boring by one team blowing out the other. It's just like a comedy of errors. And last week, 46 points were on the board when the Texans-Jags, and I think the first week of the year, it was another one where, like, 50-something points were scored. So I think you're right on this one that it's not going to be as ugly for fantasy as people think. I'm with you with O'Shaughnessy for sure. He's been super consistent. He plays more wide receiver than he plays tight end, which is what you want to see. Daryl Bevel kept that going, which was the only real question we had there. So I'm in on that. On the Jets side, it's, you know, for pass catchers, there's not a whole lot. I mean, are you interested in any of them? The leading, the guys who played the most were Jameson Crowder and Keelan Cole. Yeah, Keelan Gold didn't do anything either. So So it's basically in like super deep PPR leagues, you start James Crowder. Beyond that, maybe Michael Carter. I still actually kind of like Michael Carter. Yeah, I just wish Salah said he's going to get a significant workload, and that didn't happen. So like Coach Speakman is a real son of a bitch. Let me tell you, the way these guys – his definition of significant workload is much different than mine, and, and, and that that is that is frustrating to say the least. Let, let, let me tell you that, Coop. I was expecting him to go out there, handle all the carries. They teased us even with Tyler Johnson being ruled out. We're like, oh, he's gonna get the pass down work, and, and all these targets go to him. Now he played 54% of the offensive snaps. He had eight carries. He only had two targets. Super letdown game there against Miami. Now it's a better matchup against Jacksonville. It was his first game back in like four weeks. They can't keep giving Tevin Coleman the football. So this is hopefully a week where they work him more into it. This is the way I look at it. You have Michael Carter out there for 31 snaps, but he pass blocks on eight of them, right? So that's essentially, as far as like fantasy relevant plays, that's 23 snaps. Tevin Coleman got 21 snaps. So... I mean, if you consider that a significant workload for Michael Carter, then I would say Tevin Coleman also got a significant workload. So I'm not really super excited there. But again, Carter clearly is the the guy, and maybe they're ramping him up. But Yeah, for sure. All right, next match. Oh, anybody on Jacksonville? I mean, we, we talked about it. We mentioned We that. talked about it. Yeah, O'Shaughnessy, it's O'Shaughnessy, and it's James Robinson. And you, yeah, okay. you, if, if you need somebody, then Marvin Jones probably right. Okay. I always throw LeCon Treadwell out there as a DFS start throw because he keeps on getting targets. Detroit-Atlanta, another game where you're like, eh, what am I looking at here? Yeah. Atlanta's surprisingly 6-8. I don't know how they pulled that one off. They have, they're have they not a very good football team. Uh, mm. But they are 5.5-point home favorites here, 42.5 game total. Jared Goff currently in COVID protocol, but Detroit getting healthier. Both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams practiced this week. Your favorite fourth-round ride receiver, Armand St. Brown, coming through with yet another monster. Reynolds, Josh Reynolds on the end zone last week, and that, that stunning upset win by Detroit. Uh, on the flip side, like I don't know who's being good for Atlanta. Russell Gage, I guess. Cordero Patterson. Pitts 
came through a little bit at the end, but still didn't score. Mike Davis even lately has been coming a little bit more fantasy relevant in PPR leagues. But again, a matchup of just bad teams, even though the Atlanta does have a six and eight record. Yeah, I mean, Russell Gage has actually been uh, pretty decent. I mean, these are the targets last few games. Eight, seven, 12, six, 12. So Russell Gage and Amon Ross St. Brown are both guys that fall into that category. Like we talk about back against the wall. I mean, these guys are at the forefront of that group for me. Like if I have Amon Ross St. Brown, yeah, especially with all the injuries going on, like he's in there. I'm finding a way to get him in there because they're getting him the ball. Maybe if Goff's out, you are a little hesitant there. But I mean, both these guys are kind of focal points of this offense now. And neither of these defenses have the means to really just take guys out of the game. There's no stud corners on either of these teams. There's no James Bradbury here where you just say, hey, take Russell Gage out of the game. And that's that. Like neither team has that. So I'm interested in pits for PPR purposes, for sure. I'm interested in Gage. I'm starting Corderell Patterson on the Lions side. It's just Amon Ra. And then if Swift is fully healthy, you start Swift. I mean, yeah, I like Reynolds too. I would play Reynolds. He's been very good. But it's just with those guys back now, it's like... He needs the volume, I think. Right. So I mean, they're throwing a ton, obviously, to St. Brown, but I think Reynolds still kind of fits in there. Of course, oh, Josh Reynolds. I thought you were talking about Craig Reynolds. No, Josh Reynolds. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Josh Reynolds is definitely okay. He's interesting. He plays a full snap share. He's in the graveyard now with, with Swift. And, uh, okay. I saw some people throwing out, like, the Craig Reynolds, like, player profiler uh, page. And, uh, and like, oh, he's look how good he's running. And, like, maybe he's earned himself thing. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, He's got like a four, five, forty, right? Like whatever it is. Like none of the numbers were impressive for a Craig Reynolds, and now that they're getting back Swift and, and Williams, like there, there's no reason for him to continue to see these snaps. This guy ran a four seven one. Why are they? That's why he was slow, and I even gave him credit for being faster. Right? right? Yeah, like, I mean, like why are the, why are people posting that? Like, yeah. should I go on Twitter and post? You can't put Craig Reynolds back in the bottle. <laughs> I just saw people like tweeting it out there. They're like, Craig Reynolds, look at the way he's running lately. It's like, yeah, out of pure necessity, like, give him, give us a break. He's not, he's not out snapping the other two guys. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Josh Reynolds. Now, of course, we do need Goff to be healthy because the backup quarterback for Detroit. Now, of course, I had it and the name is, I'm blanking on it, but yeah, like more interceptions in college than he did touchdown passes or something, some crazy number. He's so, like, yeah. Well, yeah, like, I think they, yeah, I don't know. No that's that's no the analytics guys right there for you. Yeah, exactly. Good big arm. Yeah, well, he doesn't <laughs> throw more to the other team than he does his own. All right, so we've talked long enough about this game. Chargers Chargers in a situation where Austin Eckler has hit the COVID IL. We don't know his vaccination status, so we'll see if he's eligible to come back uh, in time for Sunday. Otherwise, so you have the Chargers in a great spot here against Houston. Good news for those who are have rostered Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, especially if Eckler's out. Justin Jackson did look good last week, though. Eckler's been a little bit banged up. He was questionable even come in the last week with the injury that he was dealing with, and Jackson ran pretty well. So I do have confidence in Jackson in this matchup against Houston if he ends up being the feature back this week. So with Austin Eckler, I think we've talked about this before. We're like, I tell you, it's honestly a slight boost to fantasy gamers in this environment that Eckler is so vocal about his own status. He's willing to, he goes on the live stream playing video games. And yeah. So he actually did it again. He did it again. He just said it yesterday. He said, it's not looking good. That was his, people asked him, are you going to play Sunday? He says, it's not looking good. So, right. I mean, he's telling us right now that he's gotten, I mean, if he said that yesterday, that means he has no negative tests, right? which means he needs two within the next two, three days. I mean, if he says it's not looking good, I'm putting Justin Jackson on the bench, at least yeah. getting him onto my team. And if he's out, like you said, man, this is the Texans, man. I mean, it, 
Justin Jackson could be a guy you're I'm interested in playing over a number of guys that I'm yeah. not super pumped about, right? Like, <laughs> right. do you go if Austin Eckler's out, do you start Justin Jackson or do you start Michael Carter? Probably Jackson. I think Just so. Knowing that the scoring is there, yeah, I think I would go Jackson. Would you go? Would you start Jackson or Saquon Barkley? You can't be asking me questions like that. <laughs> I mean, I think I mean I think I would start. I think I would start Justin Jackson. As <laughs> right. Crazy as that sounds, man. Right? Like this Giants team is a disaster, and like <laughs> it's a good matchup for. I mean, it's Houston, man. It's yeah. like. So you got to play it like that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, what, so, yeah. what, did, he have, what did he have last week? Did he have like, oh, he had, he had, he had like really good numbers against the Chiefs last week, if I, if I remember correctly. Justin uh, Jackson did, yeah. Yeah. I had Saquon Barkley in one of my lineups in the playoffs. Yeah, Jackson had 13 for 86 last week against the Chiefs. I had Saquon in my lineup in my biggest hometown league last week, and Devontae Booker outscored him on my bench. <laughs> I, I he's, yeah. Barkley's in my doghouse right now. Yeah, for sure. So I, that's the first name I, I always think about when someone's like, oh, like, yeah, he's like a borderline starter. I'm like, would you start him over Saquon? Because, like, you know. <laughs> it just hurts. It hurts inside, really. It does. Uh, but you got to be that way. And then Texans uh, start Brandon Cooks. That's it, right? Well, yeah. Cooks is in COVID protocol. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. So, so Nico Collins is, like, is it, I guess. It's, it's time. <laughs> it's Nico time, yeah. He'll definitely be able to scream right past uh, Herman James. And Nico Collins scoring this game. For yeah, him. I mean, he's it, the champion going into the uh, going into the offseason for Dynasty League. So yeah, yeah, it would be nice. Yeah, Palmer, Palmer, the Palmer Collins game here. It'd be interesting. I mean, the thing is, the Chargers have like Asante Samuel Jr. They have Derwin yeah, James. No, they not a good secondary for that type of thing. So I think no, Houston's actually, probably just going to. It's actually a good matchup for. Uh, I, isn't, isn't it a good matchup for tight ends? Don't the Chargers struggle? They do struggle, but the problem is that... Or is Derwin James back? Derwin James is... He actually got hurt. Okay. Let me just double-check it right now. That last week, that Travis Kelsey with Derwin James in coverage had, like, one catch for, like, 13 yards. Yes. And without Derwin James, he had, like, 13 for 140, right? Like, right, right. That's the problem. He's one of those guys, like Justin Simmons, where... Sometimes they put him on the tight end and take the tight end away. Sometimes they put him on somebody else and the tight end does fine. That's yeah. why the Chargers are one of the tougher ones in terms of those matchups because they use James is too good to put on Dalton yeah. Schultz. So right. Schultz, you know what I mean? Like Tyler Conklin scored two touchdowns against this team because Derwin James was dealing with Phelan and Justin Jefferson. Right. So right. it's like kind of a weird one in that sense. But the thing with the Texans is that Brevin, Jordan, a yeah, Brevin Jordan's had a hand injury. We kind of liked him, but he didn't play at all last week. That opened the door for Jordan Akins to play. Farrell Brown plays more snaps than both of them, but he's a blocking tight end. I just... Yeah, well, that's well, fine. I, I'm wasting everybody's time talking about Brevin Jordan, truthfully. But I I, re, I just have, like, remember stats pop in my head. I'm like, oh, this team sucks here. And then you're like, well, the other team doesn't have anybody. So I'm like, right. Oh. Well, the thing is, hey, fantasy, we got a lot of deep DFS players, deep league players, serious fantasy gamers, so we got to talk about those deep guys. It's true. It's true. Baltimore, Cincinnati, the next one here, the Bengals are a three-point home favorite, 45-and-a-half game total year. The one stat I wrote up with the quarterback coach that I found interesting is that Tyler Huntley, in his, in his three starts, the last three games he's played, over 70% completion percentage in each of those three games. Lamar Jackson only did that twice this year in his 12 starts. So Huntley may actually be better or a more efficient passer with his decision-making, or maybe he's just a better passer in his recent stints here. While still giving you that rushing upside, we saw obviously Mandrews just be a monster mm-hmm. these last two weeks. We had a Fantasy Alarm subscriber in our Discord last week make the God move pivot in the late game. Late swap is definitely something you have to take advantage of. He was in a single entry. He had Garoppolo, Kittle, Adams, and he pivoted to Huntley and Andrews in the four o'clock games. 
and almost won the single entry that he's going to end up coming in fourth. He won like 700 bucks. But I'm like, that is, I mean, that's the way you play DFS. You look Power at where ownership is and like you make those like smart pivots. And, like nobody played Huntley. Nobody really played Andrews. So everybody was in on Kittle. You make that pivot there and it, it won a whole boatload of money. But do we think that Huntley continues to play this way? I mean, the man has looked good and they don't have to change the offense for him. Lamar Jackson, similar player. Right. I mean, that, that's the beauty of that DFS chat is that we're in there and you can make those moves live. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we, you can bounce them off us and we're like, we'll give you a red light, green light. And that's a green light move. Right. So with Huntley, I do. I just have to say one thing on Tyler Huntley that I didn't realize my buddy found this and sent it to me is that Huntley on his like social media and stuff. He's like a super funny guy. Him and Lamar Jackson are good friends, but I guess he's been posting videos like all year. It'll be like a clip of like Lamar Jackson, like playing catch with somebody. And he'll take a video of Lamar Jackson and be like, this dude here doesn't know I'm about to take his job, <laughs> which I think that's pretty funny. They're friends, so he could do stuff like that. But I mean, based on the way he's playing, they, they did a, just a really good job of finding a guy that can fit the system. And I was saying this for a long time with Colin Kaepernick is that, of course, he was he is a, a lightning rod and teams don't like that. But on the other side, he's also a guy that has a very unique playing style. And as a backup quarterback, he doesn't fit the mold. Like, he's not going to be the backup for Tom Brady. And right. also, on the, for other teams, you have to run the scout team. So he's not going to give you a good look of Tom Brady. He, he, the ability to mimic other quarterbacks is what makes guys like Brian Hoyer and these guys so... Yeah, that's uh, why Garrett Gilbert's still in the league. Exactly. <laughs> There's certain guys that, like, and then they go on to be... You, then you see it later. They go on to be, like, offensive coordinators and stuff. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. Well, apparently, there's a handful of guys out there that are just amazing at mimicking all other quarterbacks and if you got this guy who's like scrambling around bow-legged like he's just not going to be a good backup that was kind of one of the problems there that i think was understated yeah. but so with huntley i mean i'm honestly treating this offense any differently than i was treating it before i'm still starting mark andrews i'm still starting marquise brown where i need him he's playing a ton of snaps the weird thing with this is rashad bateman plays the week before he played 65 snaps scored 17 fantasy points this week he plays sorry he played, he played 65 percent of the snaps scores 17 fantasy points this week he plays 93 percent and scores what one like it just leads to such unpredictableness with this offense that you have these guys that some weeks they don't play at all but they are but they're getting things drawn up for them the next week they're you know playing the whole game and nothing happens like it's just so tough with guys like that so bateman is difficult to trust for me i don't know if john if i mean it's a good sign he played so many snaps but i mean they just they couldn't get him the ball yeah, no, I agree. I like it. He's on the field, though. So I would still be willing to, if I have no other options, take a dart throw. But he's never really been a core guy for me, right? He's never really been more of a wide than a wide receiver three. So if you have another option, maybe you pick someone up off waivers that's getting more of a target share or a better game flow, then I think you can go there yes. uh, over Bateman. On uh, the other side, I mean, Baltimore's defense is not very good. This is one of the reasons Harbaugh keeps going for it and the two-point conversions there because he doesn't want to go to overtime. He doesn't think his team has an opportunity, doesn't stand a chance at stopping the opposing team. And their secondary has really been a problem. They're, they're decimated right now. So you look at Burrow and you look at Chase and Higgins and Boyd lately, and you think this should be a spot where he should be able to throw in them. But he struggled, obviously, last week in Denver. He did have a big game against the 49 the week before. But you just have to ask yourself, is he going to be able to continue that consistency? This was a spot where he lit up Baltimore during that three-game road stretch that they had in Baltimore earlier this year, 400 yards and three scores. I would much like to see a lot more of that this week than giving Mixon maybe some unnecessary carries. What, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, Mixon, he's back practicing, but he's still banged up. I don't know, yeah, if you want to go that route. I will say, for this matchup, like, you kind of know what you're doing with the wideouts. People are asking me about C.J. Uzoma, and they're they're kind of just box score surfing and saying, oh, last time we played this team, we scored two touchdowns. If you go back and watch those highlights, or watch the full game if you want, but just watch the highlights, those are just complete fluke blown coverage plays. Like, on one of them, they had, I think it was trips out to one side, and the corner the corners and safeties are all lined up and nobody knows who they're covering so when the two the two wide receivers stay in and Uzoma just runs straight nobody went with him he was literally uncovered and it's like that's not something that he did to create that play is what i mean by that it's that like yeah. these are fluke plays where if it was any player that's a touchdown like no one was catching him and it's just not something you can bank on to be recreated especially with the number of players you have on this offense for me that's more of a dfs play than something you you bet your you bet the family farm on right exactly uh, a couple more games here Coop will run through we got Chicago so Lockett still was out last week Metcalf and Wilson still not really on the same page Rashard Penny got a touchdown vultured from DJ Dallas Russell Wilson not really looking great I don't know what's going on with Seattle Chicago on the flip side I still think you got Mooney you got Montgomery and even Komet actually came through with some some garbage timey points there last week for Chicago. Yeah, I mean, Cole Komet, like, you look at the numbers, I mean, it's they're, they're there. The snaps are there. These are the targets going back a while, right? Six, six, eight. And then he had the game with only two targets. We had the one catch. That was against Baltimore. And, like, that is where people, will, like, wash their hands at Cole Komet. But after that, he's come back 11, 7, 5, 9 targets. I mean, how many other guys out there are without the two-target game? He's basically getting five, six targets minimum, and he's got games with 11, got games with nine. I mean, for me against Seattle, who is a bad team versus the tight end, I think right now they are actually the maybe the fifth or sixth worst team versus the tight end right there. They've let up more points per game to the tight end than the Texans and the Jets. That's that's where they're at right now. So for me, Cole Komet is actually a guy that I'm – I honestly am starting over guys like Dawson Knox and Hunter Henry – just because the matchup is better and the targets are there, whereas the other guys are touchdown dependent. I mean, people on Reddit don't like that, but they're just going to have to eat it. And if he, if I'm wrong, then I'll eat it. That's the way this game goes. On the on the Seahawks side, I'm starting Lockett and Metcalf where I have to, but I don't love it. Russell Wilson is not okay. This clearly he's not himself. So, I mean, I don't know. Can you trust Russell? Are you starting Russell Wilson in any leagues? So I am. So then this is where I am in a debate of I have Russell Wilson and Joe Burrow. I like Wilson at home against Chicago. Like it feels like it should be a good matchup, especially you know if Lockett comes back, I might have a little bit more interest there, but I'm currently leaning Burrow over him. Yeah. I mean, it, there's not even a benefit like uh, with the rushing for Russell Wilson. He's not doing it. So yeah, it's really just, yeah, it's really just, uh, it's, it's just touchdowns for those two guys, in which case I like Burrow better. Yep, I agree with you. Pittsburgh KC, next matchup on the slate here. Pittsburgh's offense didn't really get anything going last week, but their defense played well enough that they were able to beat Tennessee. Kansas City, as we mentioned, currently sitting with no Travis Kelsey, no Tyree Kill due to COVID. Holmes did have another big game, so maybe he's starting to turn a corner. I guess the one thing with Kansas City is that, like, they're sort of just kind of pluggy play-ish. Like, obviously, Kelsey and Hill are elite, but, like, we've seen him target guys like Robinson and Pringle and Hardman and like have success. Josh Gordon likely taking on a big role this week if those guys are out as well. So I don't necessarily know if if it's a downgrade for Mahomes because again, Pittsburgh's defense 
hasn't been very good. They're on the road, which is where they, they haven't played well this year either. You can run on Pittsburgh, but I don't, I'm not expecting a ton of CEH volume, but maybe we should be if Hill and Kelsey are out. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. See some two two back sets, throwing shorter passes out of the backfield. For me, of the if those guys are all out, I'm probably not starting Noah Gray. I mean, the thing about Noah Gray is that you can't trust him to be Travis Kelsey. You can't trust him in your redraft leagues and in the DFS leagues. His ownership is going to be so high just from people thinking that they're smarter than everybody else. You know what I mean? When everybody knows that he's the backup, so I just. It's just not a play that I think is a super sharp one. So for me, I'm probably staying away from that. I, well, the one play I do like is honestly Mikael Hardman. They drafted him to. They drafted him during. You got to think about the context of Tyreek Hill had ju- his son had just broken his arm and a recording had just come out about him telling his the mother of his child that she should be scared. And then they drafted Mikael Hardman. It all ended up being settled. But I think that is it. That at the time was a clear indication that they were picking him as insurance to, to Tyreek Kill, They do the same things, and Tyreek Hill's just better at it, which is why you don't get a lot of Mikko Harmon. But now with Tyreek Hill out, I think that's a situation where Mikko Harmon steps into that role, and he has you know upside that's real. So for me, he's the guy that I like best out of that crew. I don't think Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson are all of a sudden going to be elite just because other guys are out. But Mikko Harmon, I think, is a guy that if in that particular role, he's shown explosiveness, shown that upside. On the other side of the ball, I'm starting Deontay Johnson. He clearly is the guy that they like best. This Chase Claypool thing, John, how do you feel about the fact that he's clearly in the doghouse to some degree? I mean, yeah. this week, this week, Deontay Johnson played 48 of 49 snaps, ran 32 of 32 routes. Claypool only played 31 snaps, only ran 19 routes. Even Ray Ray McLeod ran more. So, I mean, Claypool, right. where, where are we at with that? Yeah, I mean, listen, that's what we're, that's what we're worried about, right? I mean... <laughs> We, we talked about it too. Like, is he going to be in the in the doghouse or not? Right. And it, and it, he was, unfortunately. That was, right. that was the question we had. Hopefully, he worked himself out of it. Pittsburgh can't really be affording to put a guy like him in the doghouse for too long, especially this week. I mean, they're going to they're gonna have to score points. So, I mean, I would expect Claypool to be out there. Yeah. I mean, if, especially if Pat Fryermuth doesn't come back from the concussion, he's in the protocol right now. And this is his second concussion. I want to say that they treat them differently the second time, but I don't know that for sure. They should, honestly. But if Fryermuth doesn't come back, I don't think they have, they, they can't even go two tight end sets with Zach Gentry like they've been doing at times. So I think they have no choice but to use Claypool on a full snap share. So if Fryermuth is out, I feel better about Claypool than if Fryermuth is in. Next matchup we have here, Denver to Las Vegas to pick them. Uh, 41 and a half game total here. Uh, you can run on Las Vegas and you can also attack them with the tight end, mm-hmm. uh, which I think makes Denver's offensive game plan a lot easier to figure out. They're going to go Gordon. They're going to go Javante Williams. Fant and Alberto should be targeted here and have success. Can't play any of the receivers, though. Yeah, man. So you and I, we love teams that have the consolidated target and carries, right? Like we Vikings for most of the year, it was Dalvin. Thielen and Jefferson like we love that Lockett Metcalf a running back this Broncos team is the exact opposite right it's three wide receivers every play that the ball is spread around three wide receivers two tight ends and two running backs all splitting the ball the touches now it's just it crushes the ceiling for everybody and the floors aren't that good either so for me Noah Fant I do like if you need him this is the right matchup for him Albert O in some crazy two tight end league is he's actually been more consistent than some of these other guys like people ask me about CJ Uzoma like Albert Akwebunu has been better than him week in and week out even with Fant in the lineup so that's where I'm at with him but you're right 
can't do Jerry Judy put up a zero spot last week and he didn't play a full snap share. Tim Patrick is Tim Patrick and Corlin Sutton is just invisible. I mean, they better be bringing in a quarterback in the offseason because they pay all these guys are paid for years and years. So they got to do something there. On the yep. Vegas side, John, how are you feeling? What are, like, uh, where are you at with the wide receivers on that side? I know, I know we like Hunter Infro. Moreau came through last week pretty decently as well. And then Zay Jones has barely been the number two receiver lately. So those are the three guys. Jacobs is questionable. I don't know. I imagine he'll be fine. And you can you can like kind of run against Denver if they want to commit to it. And they, they may choose to do that given the play style here. But it's Renfro is a lock for me. And then the other two guys are if you need to play him, you can play them. Yep, I'm there with you on that. Moreau, he does get a – so this is the question with Moreau, is right, is that they Den, Justin Simmons is that guy for Denver. If they want to take Moreau away, they can take him completely away. But if they don't want to do that, then Moreau is one of the focal points of the offense. So that's the risk you have with a guy like Moreau and why I have Moreau ranked so low in my rankings that you have guys in better matchups that we know are going to be involved versus a guy like Moreau where – if they want to put Justin Simmons on him, the Raiders aren't going to force it to him. They're just going to say, hey, you know what? We got to go elsewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there as well. Washington-Dallas here is the next matchup. Ten and a half point spread here. Dallas has looked awful offensively. Mm-hmm. You almost like can't trust any of their players uh, right now. Dalton Schultz obviously had the big game last week. Zeke found the end zone but didn't look good doing it. The receivers were kind of blood. Dak was whatever. And then Washington, they're still dealing with all their issues. We did at least get a Gibson touchdown. But he came out of that game with a foot injury. So we don't really even know how what's going to go on with him there. So this is your Sunday night football game, and it's not really looking to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So Vegas, they're so good. And I, I don't want to question the all-knowing overlords of Las Vegas. But 10 and a half. 10 yeah. and a half, John. That's, that, that half point is the one where I'm like, can't, maybe I'll grab this while we have that <laughs> 10 and right? You know what I mean? I can see him yeah. losing by 10. But, you know, that half point's kind of nice. But I don't know. It's... It could easily just be a blowout. It's at home. Washington, yeah, like you said. Their defense has been very good. So Yeah, yeah, their defense has been good. I mean, Mike Parsons is probably a lock for the rook, defensive rookie of the year, right? I mean, Maybe at this defensive point, player of the year. He's, yeah, he's been great. So, uh, I mean, that's where we're at there. Uh, we, I'm starting, and again, Dallas is like what you want Denver to be. They have a lot of different options, but they're all productive. Right. I mean, the Blake Jarwin is the Aqua Boonham and he's out. So that helps Schultz a little bit. But they spread the ball around. All those guys will be there. Hey, I just want to say we talked about it last week. Even though the production was there once again, CeeDee Lamb played that slot role. Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup played 66 and 65 snaps. CeeDee Lamb only played 49. So he's playing that's 16 fewer snaps than Michael Gallup. He ran Amari ran 40 routes. Gallup ran 39. Lamb only ran 29, 10 fewer routes than those guys. So that trend is now there's two weeks of that trend. It They draw plays for Lamb. They get him the ball. So it hasn't really translated. It might not even be an issue. It's just in with all things considered, we want our guys to be on the field every snap. So that's 10 routes he didn't run. I mean, that could be two, three more targets, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that's probably true. Is there anybody in Washington that you like? I mean, Ricky Seals Jones once again played fewer snaps than John Bates, but he got seven targets. I mean, Ricky Seals Jones, if they're really just slowly ramping him up, there's a possibility that he goes back to that full snap chair, especially with Curtis Samuel banged up. And then it's then he's interesting again. So Ricky Seals Jones, I'm not even though he's got the low snap count, I'm not ruling him out. He's a guy where if you need him, go for it. Right. Terry McLaurin, you start and then 
Antonio Gibson, right? I mean, it's or are you is this Dallas defense not? I know you don't want to run against them, but is that does that put Antonio Gibson in the Barkley and Justin Jackson category? I mean, like I think so. I think so. I mean, especially if he's not 100 percent, right? If he's not 100 percent, we saw three different running backs get carries last week, and Patterson got a rushing touchdown. So mm. uh, difficult for me to to trust that one. Hey, Coop, we'll wrap it up here. Miami, New Orleans again, a game where. Taysom Hill didn't look good last week, an opportunity for him to bounce back. Alvin Kamara was in a tough spot, a good potential for him to bounce back here as well. Miami, Duke Johnson had that wild game, but you can't run on the Saints. So we're going to have to see two try to throw on them with Parker likely getting Lattimore, Gesicki, I guess maybe Waddle could come back. I haven't seen a full update on him yet, but it's another game where I kind of look at it on paper and I'm like, I don't really want to watch this one. <laughs> no, thir- 38 and a half over under. That's the lowest of the week of any uh, Waddle team. is good to go, by the way. So, thir- 38 and a half over under is the lowest of the week in a week where we have the Jaguars playing the Jets and the Lions playing the Falcons. And this game has a lower over under. I mean, that's just yuckiness right there. Makes you not like Mike Gusecki, but you kind of have to start him with the lack of other options, even with Waddle and Parker playing. I mean, Duke Johnson's ruining things for everybody. Kamari, you start. Right. So he's in your lineup no matter what. I really don't care. And then beyond that, not interested. Adam Trotman and Nick Vanette split the snaps down the middle. Not enough for me. The quarterback's not good enough at throwing the ball. So, right. That's where it's at. So, not an exciting matchup to close off the week, but I think there some of the receivers in Miami maybe could be viable here. But like you said, 30 and a half game total. Yikes. So, that's it, Coop. Do we have a lifestyle tip of the week this week? So I do have one. This is this one might be a little specific to us, but a lot of people I know there's a lot of people out there that they keep their uh, grocery list on the fridge. Right. You look around and see if you have what you have, what you need. And if you need something, you just write it on the fridge. Right. Like that's the way we are. I tried to get my girlfriend to do like some like email or phone thing just because she kept forgetting the list or I would be out and I wouldn't have it. Right. So what we ended up doing was we grabbed this thing called uh, a rocket book orbit which is just like a i think it's like 30 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever and it's a electronic notepad so we threw it on the fridge you write your groceries on it and then you just like hit this scan thing and it sends it right to a shared folder that you both have access to that for me has been kind of a life changer in terms of that because before that we would just forget the grocery list we go out and then you're buying you have 10 tins of butter and no thing of ketchup because you didn't have your list dude this thing has kind of revolutionized that game for me so it doesn't have to be that product we're not sponsored by any products but that type of thing is is just a little thing that has made my life easier so i figured i'd share it with you guys the one that we have is called the rocket book orbit and it's legit you and you can use these things for everything so you write on it and then scan it and then you erase it and then you can write on it and reuse it a million times it just keeps notes for you so if you're somebody that keeps notes for class you know what i mean or, or anything those things are pretty cool but for us the electronic grocery list has been a game changer in terms of actually getting the groceries that we want. And there's nothing frustrating than for the second time looking in the fridge and being like, how do we still not have this? We do the old fashioned notepad uh, grocery list thing on the on the fridge there as well. And even then, we still come home from the grocery store. It's like, what do we buy? What do we spend our money on? We have nothing for <laughs> dinner. So hopefully, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good call, Coop. And maybe got uh, upgrade, man. Yeah, upgrade to that electronic one, dude, because it's like you can update it on a moment's notice. I can be at home and update it, and it goes right to her. And it's like right. she doesn't need – it's not like nobody needs to go and can you send me a picture of it? And then you have all these pictures yeah. on your phone, and it's just – it's stupid. So that's what I'm doing lately, and that's one thing that I can say that definitively quality of life improvement, slight bump. 
Yeah, nice. So that wraps up our look at week 16, everybody. Uh, good luck in your playoff matchups. And again, if you're listening to this and, and you're eliminated or you uh, may end up being eliminated at the end of this week, uh, make sure you go to fantasylam.com slash get NFL. Check out our deal we got going on right now for 30 bucks, basically. You can join us for the DFS rest of the season throughout the regular season, all the way through the Super Bowl. We are producing DFS content for you all, so it's never a bad time uh, to start winning. So get with us here with the family. For Coop and I, you know where to get us on Twitter and in Discord, but we'll catch you guys later.